You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. We're going to pick up in verse 3 and move all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 21. If you are taking notes today, the title of today's study is Right Relationships. Right relationships as we move through. That is exactly what we are seeing the Apostle Paul exhort us to, is right relationships. And you know, as we started chapter 12 last week, that we started the fourth and final section here in the book of Romans. And you know well by now that the Romans splits up into four specific sections. We've seen the wrath of God from chapter 1 to chapter 3, verse 20. We've seen the grace of God there in chapter 3, 21, all the way through verse 8. We saw the plan of God in chapters 9 through 11. And now currently, Paul has started us out looking at the will of God. And really what that is, you remember as we've been saying, that it is the application of all of the doctrine that Paul has so far laid out for us. He is now saying, all right, here's how you live it out. Here is the will of God for you as you are in Jesus. And opening up last week, Paul exhorted us to really the starting point for what it looks like to walk in the will of God. And that starting point is, you know if you were here and if you're not, I encourage you to go back and look because it's crucial for us to know. The starting point is for us to realize that because of all that Christ has done for us and all that we are in Christ, that we are now called to present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. To every single day, open ourselves up to the Lord and say, you know what, God, I am yours. I am yours. And Paul uses the language of sacrifice so as to put a sense of permanence or giving of oneself in totality to the Lord to serve him as we live, because we are living sacrifices. Living sacrifices that say, Lord, I want you to lead me and guide me and take me everywhere that you want me to go. And part of that too, Paul let us know, is not just presenting ourselves to him to serve and to walk, but also to be renewed and transformed every single day, to no longer conform ourselves to this world, to no longer allow the world to press us into the mold of this world, but to allow the Lord to transform us from the inside out as we seek him in his word, as we seek him in prayer, and as we walk in relationship to him. And so what we saw last week indeed was the springing point for walking in the will of God. That is where it starts with us saying, Lord, I want to walk in your will and I am submitting to you completely. And what follows now is what we pick up in today and what we see really throughout the rest of the book of Romans. And that is how we, in a relationship with the Lord, presenting ourselves to him, walk in right relationship with each other and with the world outside. And so that is what Paul is going to show us starting today is how we have right relationships within the church and out in the world. And so with that, let's pick up first, like I said, in verse three, we're going to read through verse eight and pray, and then we will move forward and see what the text shows us. So Paul says in verse three, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. 
He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray before we move forward. Father, I do thank you so much again for this day, and Lord, for just the opportunity that we have to come together today, all for the purpose of seeing you and knowing you. And I pray that, Lord, as we now turn our attention to your word, and God, you speak to us through your word, I pray that we would have hearts and minds that listen now. And God, that we would understand that as we are in you, that this word is for us. And so, God, should we listen. So, God, should we listen to apply so that we can walk in right relationships in this world with you and with one another. So, God, I just pray for this time. I pray that you would be our teacher, that we would get out of the way and just let you speak and we would act. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the verses that we just read, Paul, for the first time, addresses the church as the body of Christ here in the book of Romans. Now, this is a primary subject in some of his other letters, specifically to the Corinthians, to the Ephesians, and also the Colossians. But up until now, Paul has been speaking to the individual believer as to their inward relationship with the Lord. But now as he turns his attention to, again, the will of God for the believer in their relationship, it is now going outward to others. And this term, the body of Christ, comes into play. And rightfully so, as the church is meant to function much in the same way that our physical bodies do, with each part from head to toe doing exactly what they were designed to do within our body, so too are we believers meant to, every one of us, fulfill the role and play the part that we were created to do as well. And all the way that we do that, as we just read, is by exercising various gifts that we are gifted by the Lord, which is the first way that Paul today speaks to the church, speaks to us, and tells us how we walk in right relationship with one another. We walk in our gifting. And we see through these verses that Paul calls us as believers in our giftings to do two things and to do them honestly with each other. We first evaluate honestly, and then we cooperate faithfully. We evaluate honestly, and we cooperate faithfully. Looking first there at evaluating honestly. Paul, as he speaks about unity, again, within a diverse body of Christ in relationship to our spiritual gifting, he calls first for self evaluation. You see, as each Christian is gifted by the Lord in some area of the church, we need to realize that we too, as the word says it's true, it is absolutely true, that you and I within the body of Christ, we are gifted by the Lord. We receive gifts from the Lord to walk and to live and to edify and build up the church. That's what we see here. That's what we also see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as well as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. Each believer, each of us, as we receive gifts from the Lord and exercise those gifts, it's for the benefit of the church. And so for that, each believer must know simply what their gift is. And as we know what our gift is or what our gifts are, we are able to function properly in the place and the space that God has put us in to, again, build one another up, to glorify the Lord, and to walk forward on mission. And just like our human bodies function with everything in the right place, so too here is Paul speaking about right relationships with the church, every part of the body and their giftings being in the right place as well. And he does this because, again, Paul is talking to 
humans. He's talking to human beings like you and like me. Humans like all of us who see what others have and act one way or see what we have that others don't and act another way. You see, he knew that humans, all of us, have a proclivity sometimes to look and see what others have and to see that we don't have that and be like, oh, I wish I had that, right? Like we, we covet and we, we sometimes can despise too, right? Like he's like, you'll look and you'll be like, why do they have what I have? How can they do that? How do they sing better than I do? How do they speak better than I do? Oh, I want that. He knew that we have a proclivity to do so. And so he wants to write and write our mindset in that. Also, he knew that there would be those that would look at their gifts and be like, that's right, I have that gift, and you don't, and I'm amazing, and you're not. And Paul wants to write that mindset as well. And so we see that's what he does as both behaviors are wrong, looking and coveting and despising or looking and puffing up, both are wrong. And Paul is warning and seeking to write the mindset of the believer there in verse 3. Because both result in an individual, again, thinking too highly of oneself and or not evaluating oneself honestly. And so what is to be done is what Paul is showing us. And it's quite simple, really. We are to, as he says in verse 3, not to think more highly than we ought of oneself, meaning that we are to think oneself higher than we are. Again, this is not rocket science. The Apostle Paul is very practical and simple here. We are to look at the fact that God has given us these gifts. They are not from us. They are not of us. They are from the Lord. And so whatever gifts that we have, whatever gift that we don't have, we need to see that it is the will of God that we do or don't have those. And so be okay with that. Not think too highly of oneself, thinking that, oh, because I am who I am, I deserve the gift that someone else has. Or because I have the gift that I have, I am better than so-and-so. Again, everyone is gifted. Everyone is given something specific to them. And everyone, for lack of a better term, is called to stay in their lane. It's called to stay where God has put you and operate in the way that he has called you to do. Again, going back to the relation to the human body. Again, every part within its place doing what it's supposed to do. This would be as if my third toe from the left on my right foot decided it was tired of being a, right, uh, a third toe on the left from on my right foot and decided I want to be an eye now. And that would not work for various reasons. It just wouldn't. In the same way that my eye would look down on my, again, third toe from the left on my right foot and be like, that's right, I'm better than you. I see all oh, you're stuffed in that, inside that little boot. You know, that would just be, it's kind of ridiculous to think about that. But either way, you get the idea. Our bodies are put together by the Lord to all fit together the way that they are. And our parts are to do exactly what they were designed to do. And because of that, the whole body functions how it should. So too is it meant to be with the church. So too is it meant to be with the body of Christ. And how we do that is by evaluating honestly. By looking and understanding first again that God gives the gifts that he gives and they are from him. And God, he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. So he gives what we are to have. And what we are to do is what Paul says in the latter half of the verse. He says, we think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, what Paul is saying here is that we think straight. We think in line. We think honestly with who we really are. We look at our abilities. We look at our inabilities. We look at our proclivity. We look at our, curtain, our, our things that we are naturally good at. And maybe as we look at those things, we think, hey, this could be from the Lord. Hey, what I'm doing, how I'm doing things, hey, maybe the Lord has gifted me with this. 
And so we look and we evaluate, okay, I fit well in this spot. I don't fit so well in that spot. Maybe I should stay in this spot and not in the other. What Paul is saying here is that we think straight, think honestly, and think practically as to what we have and how we walk. And understand today that as Paul is saying this, that there are two things that sometimes we get off base about when it comes to the gifting of the Lord. Sometimes we get, you know, I think this self-defeating idea of, oh, well, yeah, I am good at that, but I don't need to let anyone know that I'm good at that. I don't need to operate in that because then that's pride. And understand that you can become prideful, that pride is definitely a temptation and something that we are all prone to do. But understand there's nothing wrong with identifying the gift that God has given you. There's nothing wrong with identifying what he has given you and equipped you to do when it pertains to the body of Christ. In fact, it's to be celebrated, it's to be excited about because again, it's from the Lord. And if it's from the Lord to us, then what we need to know is just by his love and by his grace that we have it because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the gifting of the Lord. It's an extension of his grace that he gives to us so as to first glorify him and then to serve one another and to serve those in the world and show them the Lord. And so there's nothing wrong with identifying what you have and so seeking to strengthen it and so seeking to walk in it. There's also nothing wrong with seeing someone that has a gift that you don't and being okay with that. It is okay to see that others, in fact, it is called upon each believer to look at the body of Christ as just that, a body, and not be upset that you're a left hand instead of a right hand, to not be upset that you are a kneecap instead of an earlobe. Like, it's, 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 it's what we're called to do. We are called to look at our own gifts and say, it's great that I have this, and also to look at others and say, hey, it's great that you have that. It's great that I have what I have. It's great that you have what you have. And so when we do that, Paul is saying, as we do, we walk together in unity. And that is the call for each of us here today. And unless we evaluate honestly and see what we have and so walk in that and see what others have and stay and let them and pray for them to walk in that, if we don't do those two things, then we're not operating properly. And Paul says here that we are all called as the body of Christ to walk. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. And this leads into the next thing that Paul says for us to do. We are to evaluate honestly to see what we have and to see where the Lord has gifted us, and then we are to cooperate faithfully with one another. Again, Paul is calling the church as a whole the body of Christ, and each member of the body. We don't have the same function. We do what we're called to do so as to glorify the Lord and serve one another, which again is a great thing. Because if we had a whole lot of the same thing, then that wouldn't be a body. If we had a whole lot of the same thing, that would be a bucket of parts, not a full body. And that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 17, where he says there, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? And that's very true. If we were just a bucket of ears and eyes and noses, man, that wouldn't be a body. That's just a bucket of pieces. But we are called to be a body who know who we are and know what we walk in. Just taking from the list that we see here, so too is it with the body of Christ. That if we have a bunch of teachers but no administrators, well, that doesn't work. And if you flip that coin, you have a bunch of administrators but no teachers, well, that doesn't work either. 
also with ministering or serving. If you have a whole lot of behind the scenes people and no one to lead and seek vision and so implement vision, well, that's an issue. On the other side, and I would say even worse, if you have a whole lot of leaders, a bunch of chiefs running around and no one who's actually gonna do anything, well, that's a big problem, especially within the church. We are called to know who we are in the Lord, what he has gifted us with and walk and cooperate faithfully. And Paul says that we're all different. Paul celebrates that. The Bible celebrates that difference. The Bible shows us that being different, being made differently, us being individuals within the body of Christ is what makes it a body and makes it amazing and what makes it function properly, which is what he goes on to say as he lists the gifts that are found in the text. Now, please understand that this list here is not, exhaust, is not exhaustive. There's another list that's found in 1 Corinthians and also in Ephesians. And what we see there in, those, in these three lists are gifts and also offices within the church that God has set up and gives out to individuals so that the body can function properly. And each time they're listed, Paul exhorts the church to exercise them faithfully according to, again, the grace that has been given to us. And that's so paramount for us to know today, that the gifts that we are given, again, are extension of God's grace. Your ability to do the things that are listed here, your gift that you have within the Lord and from the Lord, it is from the Lord. That gift that you have that God has given you, we are to understand it's from him, and so we should turn it back to him and use for his glory, because it's an extension of his grace. He gives it so we should walk in it. He equips and he empowers us to use the gifts that he's given us. And running through this list very quickly, as we see there, what the Lord calls us to do, you can see them there on the screen or there in your text. He says there, as you, if, if it's the gift of prophecy or they're speaking the truth of the Lord, so to prophesy, he says, in proportion to our faith. Meaning that again, that right there is a, is a recognizing of the fact that God has given you that gift. And so as you speak the word of the Lord, as you speak forth truth, hey, do it in the faith that the Lord has given you to speak. Don't go beyond that. Speak as the Lord speaks to you. In ministry, he says, use it in ministering. Cooperate faithfully and minister or serve one another. Teaching, hey, be a teacher. If he equips you to teach, if he calls you to teach, then teach, understanding that it's by grace that you are able to do so. If you are one who's called to exhort, then exhort or encourage faithfully. If you give, if you're called to give, if you've been given much and the Lord calls you to give out, do so faithfully. Again, understanding that what you're able to give is from the Lord. Also, one who leads, the one who has leadership, who has been called to leadership, has been given the gift of leadership. Specifically, what Paul is talking about here is within the church. Paul says they're to do so with diligence. And that is a challenging thing for any one of us who are in leadership within the church. You cannot be lazy and be in ministry. You cannot be lazy and be in leadership. That is not compatible with the gift. And then one who shows mercy, showing it with cheerfulness. That gift of mercy is definitely a gift. And as we are to exercise it, it's not to be begrudgingly, but it is to be with cheerfulness there as the Lord prompts you and as the Lord equips you to do so. And as we see this list and see ourselves belonging to the body of Christ, we need to know where we fit and act faithfully in that. And so today, as we've covered this little part here, the question for you and for me is to say, hey, where do you fit? 
If we're all part of the body and understand today that if you are a believer, you are part of the body of Christ and understand more than that, if you are a part of the body of Christ, that God has and wants to show you how he's equipped you to operate in the body of Christ. No one's off the hook here is basically what I'm saying. Where do you fit? How has the Lord equipped you and fitted you to serve here? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what you have a natural tendency to do? If you don't, hey, you know how to find out? Ask the Lord. You know how to find out? Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with him in his word. Spend time with him in prayer and ask him, hey, open my heart and eyes. Show me where I fit. And the Lord's faithful to do so. As we seek, as we ask him, as we spend time with him and evaluate ourselves through the lens of scripture and through the lens of the Lord and his relationship to us, he is faithful to show us where we fit in. And it's amazing to see that the Lord, how he made you and how he made your personality, it often is a great indicator of what your gifting is. And I love that. I love that the Lord doesn't just, and he can because he's kind of crazy sometimes, but he, he, he normally what he does, is he doesn't just like thrust something upon you that he didn't create you for. And if he does, trust me, he will equip and empower you to work and walk in that. But normally, what you're naturally inclined to do, especially as you follow and walk with the Lord, hey, that's normally a good indicator of where you're gifted. That's normally a good indicator of where you fit within the body of Christ, which is an amazing thing that the Lord just designs and knits together everything the way that he does. He knows what he's doing. He's the Lord and he has the best in mind. So do you know where you fit? Do you know your gift? And if you do, are you exercising it? If you know your gifting, if you know where the Lord and how the Lord has made you to fit within the body of Christ, are you cooperating faithfully? If you're not, then hey, here today is the time to do so. Here today is the time to say, Lord, you know what? I know what you've given me to do. I know what you have called me and how you've equipped me. I wanna use it for your glory and for the building up of the body. Because again, if every part is not working together, then the whole suffers. We are called to be the body and to work as the Lord has called us to do. That is a right relationship and a way that we walk in right relationships with one another. And now as we pick up in verse nine, Paul continues on in the same vein with the body of Christ there being together. And as he has shown us what right relationship looks like in our gifting, he now wants to show us what right relationship looks like in our gathering with other believers because this follows right in line with the gifting because as we are gifted, so that should play out in our gathering. Pick it with me there in verse nine. Where Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Again, what this is, is a natural move from explaining that we, as the body of Christ, are gifted by the Lord to operate and function together. Paul then outlines for us what that looks like. And he starts there in verse 9 with the crucial piece to all of this. And that is that we would love without hypocrisy. 
In the same way that Paul told the Corinthian church that they could not operate, that their gifts are basically worthless without the love of the Lord that he shows there in 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 13, so he says to the Romans as well, and to us, the reader here today, that genuine love for one another, love that is sacrificial, imitating, and identify with Christ, that that is love that is without hypocrisy. This word love here that we see in verse nine is that word agape in the Greek. It is that word that means love with sacrifice, love that expects nothing in return. It is true love that is exemplified by the Lord. And that is the love that is without hypocrisy, love that doesn't just exist at face value, but is deep, caring, and evident in action, what is what, which is what we see again in the following verses. As Paul says to love without hypocrisy, the following series of exhortations nailed down for us what that looks like within the body of Christ. And each of these exhortations are necessary for us to apply today. And running through the line quickly there, I mean, we could spend an entire year on these, on these exhortations here in a series, but I'm not going to do that because we would take an entire year to do so. But you see, as we run down this list, that love without hypocrisy, it should lead us into abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good, as we see there in verse 9. And that right there encompasses our individuality and also our corporate gathering as well. That we, as we love without hypocrisy, we abhor, we hate, we put away the things that are evil and we cling steadfastly to what is good. And that is a call for us as believers to do, to as we gather and and work corporately together to glorify and grow in the Lord, we put away the things of this world. We put away evil and we cling to the good. We cling to the good of God's word, of God's presence, of worship. And then moving down the line of being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, giving preference to one another. Again, that there is love without hypocrisy, that we are kindly and affectionate to one another. We are, we are civil, not, more, not just civil, but we give preference to one another. We put others first. That is love without hypocrisy. We don't lag in diligence. We're not lazy, but we're zealous in serving the Lord. We do that together. We do that together. And so in doing so, we build up the body. We rejoice in hope and we're patient in tribulation. This is one that we do together where we know that as the body of Christ, we have great hope, a living hope in Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice in that hope together. I mean, that's what we do when we gather together and worship. We rejoice in the hope that Jesus Christ has saved us, has given us a way to him. And so we thank him for that. We rejoice in that. We also are patient in tribulation. We're also patient in tribulation together. We do that together. And this is is a bit more challenging for us as believers because we all react differently to tribulation, don't we? We all react differently to suffering, but we are called to be patient in tribulation. And as we love without hypocrisy, as we love sacrificially, as we love selflessly, selflessly, we see that we are able to do that together, holding one another up, which is what he goes into as he says, distributing to the needs of each other, being hospitable, blessing those who persecute and not cursing them, rejoicing with the rejoicing and weeping with the weeping. We are called to be those who love and love one another, who are distributing to one another, to help one another, to be hospitable to one another, to endure with one another, to be patient with one another, to rejoice when one of us rejoice and weeps when one weeps. 
Because if, the, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And being like-minded, humble, and not puffed up, as it says there in verse 16. We're called there to love without hypocrisy, to love one another in a way that is true, in a way that is not just at face value, but is deep and real in every single way. And as you and I look at this exhortation and at this list here, the question for us there is as we look at them to see if we're falling in line with them in relationships and in encounters with the rest of the body of Christ, are you, am I, are we together supporting the body of Christ? And if you look at this list today or at any time and you look at it and you cringe at the fact that you're failing in some or one or all of these, hey, understand you're not alone in many cases. I'll be the first to admit that I fail time and time again at doing this, but I know that when I do so, what we need to key in on is the fact that first, God's grace is extended. That God has grace and I'm thankful for God's grace and the word of God that is faithful to show me what is right, what I need to do, and then how to do so. And it starts by going back to what we talked about last week. Again, as we walk in the will of God, as we walk in right relationships with one another, it starts with the springing board for walking in the will of God that we looked at last week, presenting ourselves to the Lord as His. Presenting ourselves and surrendering to Him in every single way as living sacrifices that say, Lord, I want you to lead my life. I want you to lead me. I don't want you to guide me. I am here on this altar, ready for you to work in me, ready for your word to shape me and to deal with me. Lord, I am here. And that's the first step. And then we engage always in being transformed by the Lord and letting the word of the Lord work on us and work in us and lead us to look more like Jesus. But there's a third thing that we see adding to that, adding to what we saw last week is what we consistently see throughout today. How do we walk in these exhortations obediently to the word of God? We love without hypocrisy. We love and love genuinely and sincerely. And we love in the way that we see Jesus telling us, as he told his disciples in John 13, how to love. Or there in John 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially. He did not put himself before the entire world, but yet loved the world perfectly without hypocrisy. There was no hypocrisy in his love. He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And he says that by this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, Jesus showed us love, again, without hypocrisy, sacrificial love that esteemed others higher than himself, which is the understatement of the century. When you think about Jesus's love, there was no hypocrisy. There was no selfishness within him. Philippians chapter two tells us that he saw coming here better than hanging out in heaven forever. That he saw it better to humble himself as a man to come and humble himself to die on a cross so that you and I could be saved. That is love without hypocrisy. That is true love. That is sacrificial love. And it's when we operate in that type of love for one another. It's when we operate in that type of love and we walk out the exhortations that Paul laid out for us. That's how we walk those out correctly. That's how we walk them out at all, honestly, is when we truly realize first and foremost that we are loved truly by the Lord 
and then called to walk in that love as well. That is how we walk in right relationship with one another. And as we look here at this list, we're not to be discouraged by the failure that we oftentimes exhibit, but we are to be encouraged to seek the Lord, to surrender to him and say, God, I want to do this. I want to support the body. I want to play my part as a part of your body. So show me how, help me. I know how greatly you've loved me. So I want to surrender to you in response to that love. And as you truly do so, as you truly submit to him, as you truly give yourself to the Lord and surrender and say, God, I want your word to speak to me. Again, that's, that's where it starts is by saying, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I want you to lead me. I'm here on the altar. And he's like, great, let's work. Let's do this. Open the word of God. What's it say? I want to deal with this. I want to shape you in this way. Hey, I've gifted you this way. Let's build this up. And as we do so, we grow and are transformed more into the image of God's son, as is the goal we see there in Romans chapter eight. And as we do so, we're able to walk in the love that Christ has shown to us, that he calls us to walk in as well. Where does it start? It starts with us submitting to the Lord so that he can lead us and guide us every step of the way. And walking in right relationships, again, we've seen today, we do in our gifting and we do in our gathering. But as Paul ends out this chapter, he also talks about how we walk in right relationships in our going as well. Pick with me there in verse 17 as we see what he says. Where he says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, where the exhortations of verse 9 through 16 related to the body of Christ, the verses there, 17 through 21, relate to the body of Christ as we go out into the world. And there's a truth, a twofold truth that we need to remind ourselves or maybe be made aware of for the first time today as we talk about walking in the world. The first is that the world and the world system is not going the same way as the Lord. You're like, duh, <laughs> I get that. Culture and the trends of culture are going ever increasingly more so these days with the, you know, away from what the Bible says is right and true. And again, you already knew that. You're very smart people. <laughs> But what you may not know, or again, what you may need to be reminded of today when it comes to our walking in this world and walking in a world that is growing ever against the truth of the Bible and the truth of God's will for this world to walk with him and for people to become his and be glorifying him, what you may not know or need to be reminded of is the fact that the church is being watched by the world that the church is consistently and constantly under the microscope of the world, seeing how we react to the world that is growing ever increasingly against the Lord. And Paul, what he does as part of the church, as he gives us all as, parts, as, as a part, as the body of Christ, the church, as he there instructs us in how to walk in right relationship with the, with the Lord and with the world, he gives us exhortations here on how to deal with that ever increasingly antagonizing world. 
And you notice what he says there and understand that this is just a running start into next week where next week he shows us really how to walk in right relationship to the world pertaining specifically to the government and governing authorities. But he says there in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but to have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And what he's saying there is, again, when you are put down, when evil is done to you, don't repay evil with more evil. It's, it's very simple. It's there put plainly for us because that doesn't show Christ. Instead, do things in such a way that everyone can see Christ. Now, the world may say, your flesh may say, I know mine does, says fight back, get even, or in, more in my case, just completely obliterate the evil that is done to you, right? Like just, just if you're gonna do it, just do it, right? That's what our flesh cries out for. But the Bible here says, do not repay evil with evil. Do not repay evil with evil. The Bible says to repay, not in the way that the world dishes it out. And Paul says in verse 18, to live peaceably with all men. I do love the fact though, again, that Paul there, he recognizes he's speaking to people. You notice that in, verse, in the latter part of verse 18, he's like, if it's possible, as much as depends on you. I love how the New Living Translation puts that. He says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I'm just thankful for Paul. He's a human. He realized he's talking to humans. He's like, some people, as much as you try. And honestly, we need to be honest today. That is the truth. That harmony with others and harmony with the world is not always achievable. It's not. But we as believers should not be responsible for the lack of peace. We as the church should not repay evil for evil and be the cause of the peace that degrades. We should seek harmony. We should seek to show Christ. We should take the high road, you could say, to show the Lord as is, as we are able to do in this world. And because Paul, again, knew he was talking to humans, he exhorts the reader about vengeance as well, because if evil is done to us, that's naturally where our brain goes to. And he says there that vengeance is the Lord's. Paul exhorts us to know that we aren't to repay evil for evil, but also that we aren't to seek vengeance either. And for the simple reason for the, from the Bible as to why is there. We see him reference there, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, where Paul says to the reader that vengeance, it belongs to the Lord. And that's really good that it does so. Because again, the Lord we know is righteous. The Lord is righteous in every way. And so the vengeance that he would exact would be righteous and perfect. And so the Bible says vengeance is the Lord's and we are to understand that that is the truth. But Paul doesn't leave us hanging. Again, he knows that we need something. He knows that he's got to help us out and we need some way to react. And so he gives us that way to react. We see there as he references Proverbs 25, 21 and 22, where he says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I know that I say that. Most of us, we're in the other boat. We're like, forget the refreshment. Give me the coals of fire so I can just go on his head. Like, that's what, I, that's, what, that's what our flesh wants, right? We're like, Paul's gonna tell me I get to do something in relation to evil being done to me? Yes! Food and drink? I don't wanna do that. But again, we are called as believers... We are called as the church. We are called as the body of Christ, seeking to show and glorify Christ in this world to walk contrary to how the world and even our flesh would want to react. And so we are called to react differently 
And in so doing, what we do is we, is we, we walk in the last exhortation of the chapter, where we, do not, we are not ourselves overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. We don't just immediately, as we walk with the Lord, and as we love and walk in right relationships with this world, even a world that is antagonistic towards us, and our ability and our attempts to live peaceably with all men as much as we can, we're to immediately seek vengeance. We aren't immediately just to seek how we can throw it back. We're not to be overcome by evil, but we are to overcome evil with good. And the example that we have from that is in Jesus Christ. The example that we have for that is in Jesus, who with so much evil thrown at him did not repay with evil, but instead repaid, repaid with the best good ever in dying for us on the cross. If we're to look to an, for an example today and how to walk in right relationship, Jesus is the answer today, friends. And we are called today to walk in right relationship. Again, that's, that's really what Paul is going to be speaking on. This is the trajectory, the will of God for us as the church, as outlined in Romans, is that we walk in right relationships. We walk in right relationship with the Lord, first and foremost. That's where it starts. That's what all of Romans 1 through Romans 11 was about. And now we walk in right relationships with the Lord in our relationship with each other and with the world that we see outside. And we do so by recognizing how the Lord is wanting to lead us. And that is what Paul has shown us today, the fact that we are gifted by the Lord. We are gifted by him to operate in those gifts so as to glorify him, so as to fill our part within the body and to edify and build one another up and so show him to one another. And we do that best first by applying the love that Christ has for us and living that love out. By living and loving without hypocrisy. And friends, understand that if we can do that with one another, then we can do that out there. If we can't do that with one another, we won't do it out there. If we can love one another without hypocrisy and so serve one another, we will better be fit to go out those doors and love a world that rejects us and rejects the Lord ultimately. But yet we're called to go into this world and the Lord was honest with us as well and told us that as you go in this world, as you live for me, the world's gonna hate you. Hey, at least he was honest with us. But yet we are called to walk in those right relationships and it starts with a right relationship with the Lord, a right relationship with him and with one another so that we can go together and share him in this world. And so today, understand again that the Lord loves you. He loves all of us. And if you are today here and a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him, understand that he has gifted you that he has given you great gifts so as to serve him and to glorify him. And it is all for his glory. Please understand that today. We build one another up, but that is for his glory. You are gifted to serve him and to glorify him and to walk in right relationship with one another and then called to walk in this world, showing Jesus to the world. So today, if you are a believer, that is the call for us to walk in our gifting and our gathering and our going. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, though, this message is, it doesn't pertain to you at this moment. What pertains to you is the fact that you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. The message for you today is the fact that Jesus does love you, but you are currently belonging to a world that is against the Lord. And the call on all of our hearts and lives is to respond 
in surrender to Jesus, saying yes to him and the free gift of salvation that he provided for us by his great love on the cross. And you can do that today so as to be able to start walking in your gifting, building one another up as we gather and showing Jesus as we go. And today, whatever it is that you need to do, whether it's to make a decision to follow him for the first time or to start looking for your gift, to start understanding how the Lord has equipped you, to start seeing, Lord, how to, how to love without hypocrisy and how to love selflessly in the church and so build up one another or to stop reacting and living in a way that repays evil for evil. Whatever it is that you need to do today, understand the Lord, he's waiting and he's faithful for you to come to him and say, God, lead me, lead me and guide me. And today, as we get ready to end our service, we have time, you have time to respond to the Lord. And we can do that together. Let's pray.